Hello and welcome to Pixel Food Podcast, where we talk about design, tech and innovation. I'm your today's host, Dominic. I have the pleasure today to have Marek Hasha in the podcast, who is a behavioral consultant in Pixelfield. Marek also teaches persuasive communication at the University of Amsterdam. Hello Marek, good to have you here on the podcast again. Hi Dominic, how are you today? I'm good, I'm alright. I'm enjoying the weather. Well, not right now, but um, currently it's Sunday, 2pm in London, as you are aware, but our listeners maybe not. And it's super sunny in here, it's super warm. Um, I'm really looking forward to go outside soon. <laughs> how many how many days like this do you actually get in London during the summer? Hmm, that's a good question. I think like more than people expect, usually. Um, because everybody th- is like, oh, it, it must like rain all the time. And it, it's not raining all the time, it's, it's actually good. Like I would say I've experienced like more warm, sunny days here over the last three years than, than those nasty ones. <laughs> Yeah, well, I have very similar feelings about the Netherlands, actually. I think Mm -hmm. uh, it's just overly demonized, the Dutch weather, you know, but sometimes (laughs) you can also get really beautiful days in those countries as well. But yeah, I'm I'm in Prague now, so the weather is mostly good here, um, leaving in a few hours. But before that, I... I reserved some time for this interesting topic of ours. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, actually. Um, Today we're going to talk about social robots Mm -hmm. and artificial intelligence, maybe in general, but especially social robots, Um, which is interesting topic for me and and something that I've sort of experienced. I don't want to say experienced, but I had like an interesting encounter recently in Barbican. I went to an exhibition to Barbican. Uh, that's like a cultural center here and, and, and like a gallery. Uh-huh. Uh, it's much more than that. It's 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 like a big estate. Uh, if you don't know Barbican, you have to look it up. It's it's really cool place in London, uh, like a big ex- estate from 60s, 70s that has been turned into like really great living space, but also lots of galleries, cinema and everything. Oh, where is that? But where exactly is, the, is it located? It's, uh, it's, it's like a bit west of Shoreditch, close to Farringdon, I would say, okay. Moorgate that that area uh yeah yeah so basically east central london yeah quite central yeah all right yeah, so yeah. How, what was it about so i went to exhibition about artificial intelligence um and they had like the whole history of artificial intelligence old like robots and and stuff in there and one of the things that really really caught my attention was there was a ibo i don't know if you know that it's it's the robot dog that you can buy from sony it's already there, like I think second or third iteration. They've been developing it for for last like thirty years or something. Okay. And there has been the newest newest uh, one. I think it costs like three thousand pounds or something. Like everybody can buy it. Its main focus is it, it's supposed to be a companion to uh, elderly homes and yeah. for people who like can't have or like dog or for whatever re- reason. And basically, they implemented artificial intelligence into this like dog-like robot that's made he's really cute and everything is uh-huh. he's very flexible he can move obviously slower than actual dog but his movements are really like the ones of, of a dog he can like roll on his back and and you can basically pet him and and if you scratch him behind his ear he's going to react actually to 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 where you're scratching him he reacts to your voice to how you speak to him you can play with him you can also teach him uh, things like sit and fetch and all the like typical commands and and it's been like quite interesting and since that I think uh, my interest for social robots has grown like 
really a lot. I mean, this is not probably a typical case of social robot, right? Because when you talk to Ivo, he doesn't respond to you in a human way. You can't have a conversation with him. But, but still, still, I think... It's still a conversation, of course. It, yeah, yeah, it is. And, and, and it's really funny because he res, like responds differently to different emotions. Like you can okay. pet him and be nice to him, but you can also be like bad to him. And, and he responds to that with like actual fear and, and everything. And can um, he, can he uh, learn over time? Yeah, yeah. Um, we, it, it, it's probably faster than with actual dog, uh, but he still learns over time. Uh, we, when we went to exhibition, um, they basically wanted to show us how he can like fetch the ball and everything, yeah. um, which they taught him to do it before. Uh, but during the exhibition, because there has been like so many uh, new kind of things for him, uh, so many like voices and, and new visual things he basically refused to do that and they would have to like teach him again in that like environment sort of because he like reacts differently and reacts differently to different people um at least that's what i've been told i don't actually know if 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 it works like that or uh yeah. or, or not but that's what i've been told in there because they they i couldn't get him to to fetch a ball or things like that but yeah, yeah they're, they're, he has some capabilities like that um I don't know how much of like how because he has some cameras inside and, and microphones and everything. I'm not I, I, I think I believe he's not connected to like Internet or anything like that, uh, as far as I know. Um, so he doesn't send it to actually to like Siri does, for example, an iPhone, right? Yeah. Where when you talk to her, it's it gets sent to. Uh, well, not actually with Siri, I think I think. Do you know more about this? I think actually Siri is the only one from the voice assistants that doesn't send. It doesn't. Oh, yeah, all, all the data. Or it sends, I think, some of it, but I think it can't be linked to you because everything Siri does to help you, I think, is like done sort of locally or something like that. I, I don't really know. Do you know more about it? No, we should ask Philip because Philip yeah. is a voice assistant guy. <laughs> really? Is but maybe we can uh, ask him uh, during the next podcast episode. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not a user of uh, voice assistants. For some reason, I find it a bit creepy. <laughs> I'm the same. I, I don't have any of them. Uh, I don't have it on my phone. I don't have anything at home. Yeah. Uh, we actually talked about it in one uh, episode with Philip, but he didn't mention that he he's a voice assistant guy. <laughs> yeah. So that's something new I learned about him. Well, today. he's a busy man, you know. You yeah. Time. Um, True. But anyway, uh, about the the pet robots, I think yeah. it's actually a very common example of mm -hmm. a social robot so we at university of amsterdam during my masters um we had a few sessions with uh, guys from the research department and they mm -hmm. uh, are focusing a lot about on, on social robots and uh, the interactions with humans and they brought over a couple of examples of robots and many of those were um, basically robots intended for robotic kinesis therapy and some mm -hmm. of them weren't, uh, didn't have the looks of a, of a dog or anything. They were like a, a dinosaur or like a made up creature, <laughs> but yeah. uh, they were pretty much acting as a dog. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, their purpose was to serve uh, as healing pet robots for people in hospitals, basically. But I can totally see the, the use for the elderly as well. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was doing my or during my research and thinking about this topic, I also uh, remembered the example of Alice, 
which is also a companion for the elderly. Mm-hmm. But it's it's um, a very different example in the sense that it it has a very humanoid looks, you know, yeah. like it has a, sort of like a, a baby face of a little girl. Um, but her um, role rests more in um, proper conversation. She she is asking a lot of questions to the elder, elderly mm-hmm. and uh, kind of encourages them to talk a lot which uh, a lot of the elderly enjoy very much. I don't yeah. know if you if you'd agree, but <laughs> I, I know that, for example, my grandfather would greatly appreciate having Alice at home, <laughs> asking him a lot of questions about his past and children and grandchildren, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, so I think actually uh, the elderly and, uh, well, healthcare, mm-hmm. uh, those are social care and healthcare, those are the two main areas where social robots are currently used. I don't know if you can recall an example from a different field, which is not related to... Um, n- not entirely sure, but yeah, I have another example from the elderly f- like, uh, care field, which is Matilda, uh, which I think came before Alice. I love the names, uh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure they must have done some like studies on like names that, that yeah. do have like a very positive response or something like that. Because they are they are wonderful, so yeah. Matilda looks much less like a human. It's more like it's actually it is a robot. It looks a bit like R two D two, I would say, uh, but yeah, its purpose is exactly the same as as, as that of, of Alice. Um, so yeah, that's that's one example I've encountered and also uh, saw it in person, but I did not unfortunately interact with it. From like other fields, like. I don't know anything specific that is out there yet, but I think the potential is definitely huge. Um, I've been just having a chat recently with my friend, Abby. This is shout out to him. I hope he's listening to our podcast. Uh, and we were talking about like voice assistants, basically on the next next iteration of those, which might be actually social robots in, in some, some sort of, uh, and he had like a really interesting ideas um, around that, that we discussed, for example, uh, suicide prevention, right? Mm-hmm. Which like sparks so many questions around ethics and everything. Um, like, for example, if you would call like a suicide hotline and you had a robot in there on the other 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 side that has that would be available to you like twenty four seven. But you should you know it's a robot or not in that case, right? It's yeah. it's like interesting. The possibilities are so big. Like obviously, we are not there yet. With uh, I think with with this, that's I think that's the reason why the, the social robots of today, even though they mimic humans, they still are clearly mm. robots and they are sold as robots and and everything, uh, because we are not there yet technologically. But when we get to that point, where the neural networks are going to be so powerful and and complex that they would actually provide like an instant, very, very human-like reaction. Yeah. Like, should we actually make them so human-like or should we keep them distinguished as things? Yeah, well, that's a very good point. So I think the main driver of um, spreading, developing social robots further and spreading them in healthcare and social care Mm -hmm. is obviously the lack of um, social care uh, workers and mm-hmm. uh, healthcare staff, which is a great problem in many countries. Um, 
Yeah, and well, you can read articles with very different opinions on this matter, and some some people will tell you that um, we should make them as human as possible and uh, use them in all the different uh, roles and fields that they can be helpful in. Mm-hmm. Other people would argue that you should focus on replacing the most dull and repetitive um, tasks of social and health care workers so that they can actually spend more of their time on the tasks that really require that human approach, you know, and mm-hmm. the, the real human conversation. Yeah. Um, so maybe for like a daily, you know, entertainment and some companionship, you can use a social robot. But I think so. What with a with a pet robot or with Alice, the humanoid, mm-hmm. even though she has kind of like a human-like face, um, you can still, of course, uh, on by like hundred meters, you can tell that it's not a, a person. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't know if we should go beyond that. And I think with the suicide prevention hotline, th- well, that's a very good point because you don't obviously see the face. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, with AI uh, voices, the technology has gone so far that you almost cannot tell if it's a human voice or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if it could be really depressing, you know, if you call the suicide prevention hotline and a robot picks it up and uh, <laughs> you're looking for some, some person to care about you and now you have a robot who doesn't care about you, then... Well, right. that's that, yeah. that's the that's the thing. Like th- th- this is a very it's very rational opinion to say that the robot doesn't care about me, but it is it is sort of proven. There has been like loads of research done around that, which I'm going to mention um, around like human attachment to to robots. Like a typical example that has been here for years is Roomba. Do you know the like small uh, circular vacuum cleaner? Yeah, that's the, the automated vacuum cleaner. There is a research, uh, and I actually know. Before even going to the research, I actually know someone who has has a Roomba like from since like one of the first models, like super old one, and it stopped working. They sent it out for uh, to like to repair shop, and they got back and oh, we're gonna give you like a, a new model because it's like hard for us to repair this one, but you're still like covered with some care plan or something. Uh, so it would be better to get a new one than than to try to repair that. Like, are you okay with that? And they actually said no because they wanted their old Roomba back because they sort of got used to it and, and, and they named it, which I actually, at first I found it like weird, but I found out that many people named their Roombas and they really like create, created this attachment to it and saw it as like a pet or yeah. like someone in, in, their, in, uh, in their home. And, and I know there has been like loads of research done around that where, where people, for example, has admitted that they had given Roomba like a day off when it was a holiday and really interacted <laughs> with it as, as with an actual person. And this is a topic that MIT Media Lab, I know, has been like uh, covering quite a lot. And they had like uh, research around basically robots where they had a couple of tasks that people were to perform with robots. And at the end of the session, they asked those people to like grab a hammer and smash the robot. And no one wanted to do it. Like there has been like so few people that that actually were like rational about this and were like, oh, of course, it's just a machine. Like, so I know what you're trying to do. But most of the people were really like they didn't want to do it. Like another popular example uh, was that the, the game Portal, right? If you know it from uh, that it's built in uh, like a Half-Life. Uh, 
expansion or whatever, whatever, or like in the same same engine. Uh, it's like a game where you have a, this like robot-like companion that is with you the whole game. And spoiler alert for those who hadn't played Portal, but it's quite old game now. Uh, at the end of, of of the game, you basically are supposed to sacrifice that companion so that you can live that piece of plastic or metal, whatever that is. And actually, majority of players decided to sacrifice themselves than to oh, really? sacrifice this thing. Yeah, <laughs> which even the developers were surprised with that. They That's didn't like they, they gave it there as like an option, but they didn't expect everyone to do it, and like most people did it. So I think. Yeah, I'm just like thinking about, uh, for example, Asia, right? That has a very different uh, culture than we do in terms of the like feeling of uh, uh, like relationships, I would say, and and uh-huh. and and social life and and everything. And yeah. and yeah, I I I disagree that you would be disappointed if you if you called somewhere looking for interaction, it would be robot. I think. If you would be used to AI and robots from your life, which we are currently, majority of us are not, like including me, I'm definitely not used to talk to robots and AI. I've yeah. also spent some time working with AI, so I know what AI actually is, that it's just very complex uh, structure of tasks and response and everything. It's not a personality yet, and yeah. I don't even know if it can be. I can imagine a scenario where I'm sort of groomed into talking with robots and AI, where then actually I might even feel like AI is the one that cares for me, as opposed to maybe some paid human worker. You know what I sort of yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. So yeah, I don't know. It's a very complex topic, and I and I feel like I've uh, drifted a bit away from from <laughs> from what we were trying to talk about. But I just feel like yeah. It's much more complex than to look at this with our today's lenses, I think. Yeah. And and yeah. and the Roomba thing and Portal, uh, is I think is like a good evidence sort of for it that maybe it won't be perceived like that in the future. What do you think yeah. about that? Well, me and my fiance, we have this uh, ordinary vacuum cleaner, and we also give it a name. Give it a name, <laughs> and um, yeah, so it obviously works like that. What, what's totally, it, what's totally her relate. name or his name? Oh, it, it wasn't very creative. It, uh, we call her her. <laughs> we call oh. her Robbie. <laughs> Robbie, because it, it's Roventa. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> she's very cute. We love her. It's like, a, you know, so you, you have the steps in your relationship. And uh, um, obviously the, the last step is children. And the step before that is probably a pet, like a dog or a cat. Mm. And the step before that is a vacuum cleaner with a name. Yeah. Um, so we're we're <laughs> currently at that point moving like forward that. slowly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I was just um, today I was watching this strange documentary, short documentary on YouTube about a guy who is combining uh, like sex dolls mm-hmm. with robotics and is pushing forward the the development in the field of like AI wives and husbands basically yeah uh, so that's an interesting field as well because well we live in the age of uh, you know VR porn and uh, yeah now we have very advanced conversational AI technologies um, and if you bring this together um, 
with like humanoid looks. I don't know, maybe in a few years people will, will, will be buying their wives, you know, and then uh, online, like robotic wives, and it will not, the technology will not only serve for um, like extreme cases of loneliness in uh, an elderly home, mm -hmm. uh, but also, you know, for regular people who will be just too lazy to find a proper relationship, so they will buy yeah. it instead. And maybe over time, they will, you know, see no difference between a relationship with, with a machine and with another human being. Yeah. But I guess that really depends on the technological advancements. Because if only a few years back, we wouldn't even imagine this happening. Mm -hmm. So maybe like, I don't know, five, ten years and we'll be somewhere totally different. Yeah, I would like to mention here like a Japanese uh, phenomenon called hikikomori. Do you know that term? No, 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 I don't. Um, it's basically, I don't want to say movement because that's probably not the right word for it. But hikikomori, basically, if someone is hikikomori, that means that it's a person who, like, detached from social life uh, and they live by themselves and they basically don't, don't fit in society. Loads of them don't have job or they do have job, but a 100% remotely done job. Uh, some of them still do live with their parents, which is a bit better example, maybe. Well, it depends than, than those that live live alone. And basically, it's been like a big problem because many people are living and dying like that. And there has been like many, many uh, cases of of people that had died in their apartments and the neighbors only found out like a month later where they could mm -hmm. like smell um, the bodies yeah. and, and everything. Uh, but the reason I'm bringing it up is that uh, I've, I've heard that, I don't know like that much about this phenomenon, but very often those people do uh, are, are drawn to technology, even mm -hmm. though this, this phenomenon is, is a bit, it's older. Uh, there, there has been people that are, has been living as hikokomori like 30, 40 years ago, attached to TVs and everything. But because now the technology and computers and games and stuff like that is more often, actually sometimes either video games or some kind of like chatbots or something can be actually a way to sort of cure this. I don't want to call it like illness or something, but you can like... Yeah, the, basically, I can see the potential of technology, like bringing yeah. those people back to social life on their conditions. Because many of people, many many people who had became hikikomori, I became that because they feel like they has been they have been pushed and pressured by society to do something. Like it's very typical that it's it's kids who has been pushed into education and corporate life, and they. Mm -hmm find out they don't want to do that, but they, they don't know what else to do. And they just lock themselves completely from outside world. So maybe through like technology and maybe social robots, it can be a thing for a way for them to get that social life back, but on their own terms. Uh, because obviously, yeah, yeah well, you can. I think this, um, well, this is of course a specific example from Japan, but, but uh, I think a similar trend can be also seen to, uh, in Europe, um, so mm -hmm. I think in Scandinavia, like chronic loneliness is a big thing nowadays, you know, also in remote areas. Mm -hmm. um, so I, yeah, I think you got a point there. The, the only thing I, that I think is holding this 
application of social robots back at the moment is um, um, just the, the state of the technology at the moment. Because mm -hmm. from what we've heard at, the, at my university last year from the researchers who specialize in social robots, um, if you see you know, videos with really well-advanced uh, dialogues with a social robot, it's mm -hmm. always acted and like pre-programmed. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the technology is not there yet. And you can only have a very basic conversation. Usually the robot is just asking people questions, prompting them to talk about something and then just like nods or says, okay, yeah, well, okay. Maybe sometimes they remember like, you know, if the elderly um, talk about their children, so they memorize the names of the children and say yeah. like, so how is and the name and that's it that's that's the most they can do at the moment yeah you know but i can um yeah i can totally see the the potential for it for the coming years and yeah. also i think that the loneliness will be getting worse and worse to be honest yeah so, the, the question then is like if this is the right solution if it's not yeah. just like a patch on something that has completely different and yeah it's definitely just a patch mm. uh, I think also in the social care and healthcare fields uh, I think to a great extent is just a, an easy fix to a much more complex problem mm -hmm. um, so without the technology we could you know of course find different solutions and like bringing more funds to those sectors um, attracting more workers mm -hmm. But maybe this is a more attractive solution for for our society at the moment. Yeah. I don't know because the technology is moving moving forward so fast, and we believe in it so much that we just like at this moment, if you have a societal problem, your first uh, instinct is immediately to find a technological solution. Yeah, which is a bit strange. But because often the problems themselves come from um, the overuse or misuse of technologies, mm. you know. So this way we could easily lock ourselves in a very unhealthy loop of just fixing problems with more technological advancements. And I can, yeah, I mean, do you think that this application, if, it, if, if we move forward with social robots, and they have like a proper conversational AI and they can remember stuff and have a very good, uh, build very good relationships with people. Do you think that th that might bring, you know, many more, even more serious troubles for us? You know, for example, so people who are in like Japan who are... Robots killing us? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's precisely not, what not, I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Terminator, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, if so, let's take the example, let's stay with the example of um, people in Japan mm -hmm. who locked themselves out from the society. Yeah. Um, so what do you think will happen if they have like a social robot um, with whom they can have, they can build a proper relationship, but still stay at home, you know, like, will that solve? their issue will they get back to the society i don't think so maybe mm -hmm. maybe they will feel happier mm -hmm. 
but it's not the it's not the solution it's not the cure you know we are tackling i think with this we will be tackling the symptoms mm -hmm. but not the not the origins of the yeah not not a disease but yeah. the, the issue yeah i think this is like a very good point and and maybe the topic that we should be thinking more about in terms of like ethics and everything and the future of social robots is to actually start thinking about integration of those robots into like normal world the, the same way as uh, governments are trying to integrate different social groups and everything together yeah. maybe it's it, it is slowly a time to start thinking about robots as a one ethnical or social group or whatever and yeah. how to how to connect it to the rest of the world uh, because yeah you're, you're you're right this is like super valid point if if we're just gonna like put robots out there as like a solution oh you don't want to talk to people and talk to this and buy yeah. yeah it's definitely not helping uh anything i'm still like uh, the reason the way i i saw it with hikikomori's was uh that the robot is like introduction back to introduction back to the social life but obviously my hypothesis was uh, assuming that they do want to get back into normal life in the first place uh, they just are scared or in enable or whatever um, and this might help but in, in many cases it's true that they, they don't see a reason why going back to normal social life um, normal in quotes <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and having a robot like this, an AI like this, will probably only deepen that feeling because they will be like, oh, I don't need other people because I can even chat with just my machine. Exactly, exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah. By the way, uh, do you know that there is a field called robo-philosophy? No. Like, a, like an ad academic domain. Uh, <laughs> yesterday I saw that uh, Aarhus University in Denmark, they have a special department like a department of robo philosophy where mm -hmm. they only well they blend um yeah philosophy with robotics and ai basically yeah and the two sides meet uh so it's it's very interesting sight to see you know that yeah it's it's a proper field now <laughs> uh, thinking about the ethics of uh, ai and robotic AI, yeah. ai conversational Was Robo philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good. I, I didn't know the term, so I, I've learned something new, which is great. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I, I knew something like that exists. And because I've been following uh, work of Kate Darling, she's actually this uh, scientist researcher at MIT Media Lab, uh, the one I've used like the examples of. Um, but yeah, robo philosophy, I like that. That's, that's very cool. I think um, I, might, I might go back to university, actually. <laughs> 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 yeah, let's go to Denmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one uh, topic that I wanted to bring forward is um, data security concerns. Mm, yeah. So if you imagine yourself being a hospital patient who is uh, who has a chronic disease and has to stay in a hospital for a very long time and uh, you get assigned a social robot who comes in every other day uh, to entertain you and talk with you about stuff. Mm -hmm. Will you be, can you imagine yourself being confident, like sharing private information with the robot or maybe even, you know, information directly related to your <clears throat> um, health condition? 
Yeah. Because that's very that, that's very sensitive information, you know. And yeah, definitely. I mean, we have talked about something similar in different episode with Philip, where we talk about smart cities. And my personal opinion is that it all depends on the level of transparency that you provide, and there always should be like a option options like you you should be able to cho to choose uh, how much do you want to share and have like a bit of control with that um, yeah. because even with like the medical information, I can imagine a scenario where I'm okay with sharing that, but I would have to know who I'm sharing it with, like if it's the medical institute and developers of the of the AI and I would know who they are and what's their structure and whatever um, then yeah I would probably like be more than happy to to do so um, but yeah transparency is, is a is a big one for me that that drives my my decisions to whether to share or not share personal information and that I, I mean I'm, I'm applying this to to everything to when I'm using a phone whether that's a iPhone or or Google phone or like Android um, I'm more likely to to say yes to share my data if I get like a good explanation of why am I sharing it and with who. Um, mm -hmm. So it's the same for me. Yeah, because with social robots, you know, people might not even realize that they are also being recorded. Because mm -hmm. the social, yeah. many of the social robots are mimicking human conversation and are scanning your facial expressions yeah. and acting accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, so where does that data go? Is it yeah. stored? Is it deleted instantly after the reaction of the social robot? Mm -hmm. So I guess this is a, a point to take into account, you know, also for governmental agencies who uh, are responsible for the regulations. Yeah. Oop. Because uh, yeah, as, as in any other domain in like the technological developments, we have to be really careful here, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, definitely. And this for me has been the reason to start doing this podcast, basically, to raise awareness of some of the topics, um, not only to directly to consumers, because I'm, I'm not naive. I don't think this podcast will become like a hugely popular thing that will reach uh, my grandma or, uh, organically or something like that. Um, but you should aim for the stars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but but still, even if I stay in like our social bubble and our industry, uh, I think it's it, loads of it is our responsibility as a designers, consultants, developers, whatever, to basically maintain the right level of 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 that balance of how much do we gather. Um, to really ensure that we gather only the information that we need, but also that we are obtaining the necessary um, like access and agreement of of, yeah. of the people being recorded, uh, which is something like that I've been striving to implement. And and we've basically with Pixelfill, we've been now having talks with many of the clients, and and this is like one of our sort of conditions of working with us is that yeah we we are just avoiding like dark patterns and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I'm not saying we do only work that is beneficial for everyone. Obviously, we do commercial work that only purpose is to make money. But still, you can make money in a good way with without misusing data and you can make money with a shady way. And I think it's our responsibility as suppliers to not supply to the shady ones. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs>
And three D design, I think it's our, it should be everyone's responsibility in our field to always try to figure out the best mechanism of data collection and data processing, mm -hmm. which doesn't require us to hold the data for a long time and store it somewhere where we don't really control it, etc. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just ideas keep coming to my head as we as we speak. That's good. And, uh, it's gonna be a I long just, episode, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope uh, our listeners will stay with us for a bit longer. Um, so I was just thinking that up until now we're we're only talking about the non-commercial applications of social robots. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we should also cover at least for a bit. Um, the commercial applications and the possibilities, mm. yeah. know, the potential that social robots have in the commercial environment. Yeah. Um, because I haven't really noticed any of that recently. And I don't know if you can recall, like a, maybe like a social robot shopping assistant mm. or perhaps a robotic receptionist. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good question. Uh, it's good to mention to our listeners that the way we prepare this podcast is that we always uh, pick a topic and then we prepare in isolation. We don't share ideas with each other because we want to keep it very natural and organic. And when this like topic came, I was like super excited. But all I was thinking about is the non-commercial use. I can't recall if I know any like actual commercial example that is that is not just a chatbot because chatbot is obviously something bit different still than, yeah. than the level of AI and robotics we're talking about here today. I don't know, probably. I, but you know, so the, like, can you imagine, for example, going to Ikea and uh, deciding between different pieces of furniture and then suddenly a social robot comes like a shopping assistant uh, <laughs> with a humanoid face and it's guiding you on your decision. You know, I, could, I think I, that could be quite useful and yeah. also this particular application could bring very little um, data security concerns yeah. or you know ethical issues because there you don't really have any responsibility um, you don't collect sensitive data mm -hmm. um, so why not you know maybe it's just too expensive for for a like mass yeah use in this environment yeah, pr probably. Like, I mean, because the question is, like, do you really need a social robot and like a really personal shopping assistant, or is like a self checkout enough? <laughs> and then you have a real human, or, or even internet, or whatever, to answer your questions. Yeah. Well, so for example, I like your point with the self self checkouts because that's a big trend, obviously. Mm -hmm. And now you have. Um, I think near Feddington, there's a, um, what is it called? VH Smith is the, the chain of the, yeah. the grocery stores. Yeah. 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 VH Smith. Yeah. yeah. So they have like, um, um, a shop there with absolutely no human service, I think. And they are testing, you're only paying, you're scanning everything with your phone and paying through your phone. Okay. I didn't and, know that. And there are no, yeah. There's like one security guy and that's it. Mm -hmm. So it's quite interesting. It's near Feddington. Um, I'll, I'll go there. I'll try that out. <laughs> yeah, you should try it out. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's an interesting phenomenon 
if you think you know about the fact that people are seeking less human interaction while when checking out but i think that they could at least with like picking choosing the best furniture for your flat mm -hmm. you could actually you know really appreciate like a human contact yeah. some human interaction some some well-meant advice that that's um, the thing like when when you asked me that question I, i was thinking about the application in like in a commerce where i could really see like having a social robot or, or even need for that interaction is either very bespoke services or where there is like a very extensive like sales process basically like let's imagine a car dealership or even real estate yeah. but this is something that is where the empathy is so important aspect of it from so many point of views that i'm not sure if like social robot could replace it even if if I can imagine the that the technology advances like so much, because for example, the real estate like if I think about that, because um, I've just been in a process of searching for apartment and, and and stuff. If if I if I saw like there are people, actual people selling apartments or renting apartments, and then there are some with uh, with AI doing that for them, I would always pick the human because I can use the weakness of a human salesman to my advantage <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> that sounds very evil but no it's not evil sure. I, i think it's 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 sales it's business it's normal thing it's always yeah. like a, a game but with a robot right they are they are, they are perfect they are in a, in okay. a way you you create them of course um so if for example like i tell them that my minimum price is i don't know whatever thousand um then they won't go below it no matter what you do um and it just becomes i don't know it would i can't imagine it that would be like so so weird because then the outcome of, of the process is sort of yeah done but maybe not maybe i just maybe i'm just short-sighted with this one for our listeners if if you have a different opinion than me on this please let us know in the comments <laughs> i'm really curious about this one But yes, yeah, or if you if you come up with an idea for a social robot in the commercial sector, just let us know and we will develop it for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a nice plug. I like it. And and you tell me I'm an evil salesman. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> Do you know any like commercial applications? Um, what, what, of social whatever, robots. Of social robot, yeah. Not really. I'm only thinking of examples that I would like to be around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But so I think also with like receptionists, you know, sometimes they have a lot to cover, mm -hmm. like human receptionists. Yeah. But for the basic interaction, like when you're picking up your keys in a hotel yeah. or something, you you're kind of expecting to have a human-like conversation, but not necessarily with a human. Yeah. So I can easily imagine a, a very, you know, representative social robot talking to me and handing it me the, the, the card for the mm, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would like that because this brings me back to my friend Abby, second shout out to him in this episode, uh, who believes a lot in like a future of, of uh, different interfaces than we currently have. And, yeah. and most of all, the voice enabled interfaces. And I have to like agree with that because even the reception of a hotel, like obviously you can have like some kiosk in there that would just, you would interact with it with a touch screen. 
but that is so cold and unpersonal and clunky and you would have to know where to yeah. click and you would have to really Precisely. well design it but if you would have a voice there uh, and yeah I can imagine in this this case it would be some very human like uh, robot then it makes the whole experience so different so more natural and I, I would love that yeah yeah and also with uh, like governmental organizations um, and uh their offices, you know, if you're like, if you have to apply for a new ID or something, mm -hmm. um, most of the interactions with the governmental staff is really frustrating, at least in the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, the people are, just hate their jobs. <laughs> And I think that's partially because they are doing, doing a lot of unpleasant, repetitive stuff. Yeah. stuff. They are forced to solve a lot of troubles with you know people who are angry because they are missing out on something and they need the ID or something yeah. fixed as soon as possible so they are angry and they are transmitting that anger to the the workers mm -hmm. and i think that that could very well be avoided again with the use yeah. of social robots you know at least for some cases and if the social robot couldn't solve that particular problem you could be directed to another line with a proper representative of the agency yeah i think you're right like you've basically touched upon a much larger topic which i think economy is talking about for ages i don't remember who was the like very big economist uh, of last century i believe it was last century it, it must be like around 100 years ago or so when he basically predicted that we we're going to work much less in the future but mm -hmm. the reasoning that he gave was that we will find ways how to automate tasks that are repetitive and dull and boring. Uh, so we will spend less time working more creative, intellectual kind of kind of jobs, basically. And he said that, uh -huh. like, I don't remember his name. I don't know who that was. It was like some big economist. And, who, and he said that like in a pre-computer era or maybe yeah. very early computer era. Um, and yet I, I think social robots can be one big um, way to, to solve this and, and get to this point. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you very much, Marek, for uh, doing this episode with me today. Uh, it's been your second episode in a row. So you're becoming Yay. a regular full-time co-host. <laughs> My pleasure. Good. As always. Yeah. Well, safe journey back to Amsterdam. Uh, Thanks. Enjoy, your... enjoy the afternoon. Thank you. Thank you. You, you enjoy your last minutes or hours in, in Czech Republic. And, and I hope we'll speak soon again. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. So thanks and bye to our listeners. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're using uh, and follow us on our social media. On Twitter, we are HelloPixelField and on Instagram, we are at PixelField. Thank you and see you next time.